you have until the count of five. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number, a glorious number. You got to the count of five. On nine. One, two, three, four, what? five, six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> <laughs> On nine, let's go. <laughs> no, okay. Um, okay, let's do it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Welcome to um, another episode. I've lost count now. Um, start again. Start again. <laughs> What's wrong with that? That was fine. That was oh, a good. This is this is the opening. No, this is the opening. We're not starting again. Uh, welcome to um, Got Till Five, the start of our Survivor Series series. That's what this is. Um, this is Jesse Benz doing the intro again because I nailed it last week, and I think I've nailed it again. And this is my co-host. His name is Matt Curtin. Yeah, it is. Thank you for. Let's just get past this bit, and, and we'll settle down. <laughs> That's a good start. <laughs> Uh, you didn't even set up the joke right. It's the best we're doing our Survivor series series. We have a little pause in there. The pause, the pause makes it less funny, in my opinion. I think just saying Survivor series series is pretty good. Wow, all of the images have a dot 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 meaning pause. Well, good. And how how well are those images doing, Max? <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, good. Um, so, how has your week been? Uh, my week has been lovely, thank you. I was. Uh, Doing some wrestling on the weekend. I was um, hurt yourself, no? Uh, I did hurt myself, but I don't know kind of how I hurt myself, which is um, a bit peculiar. I was doing doing stuff training with Chris Ridgway, who was a fantastic and lovely, lovely Liverpudlian man, who taught me lots of uh, lots of submission holds. Taught me how to kind of master the cravat. Cravat is quite a difficult move to get into and to to make it look fluid. I can imagine. Bit of a bit of a Zack Sabre Jr. number, isn't it? Exactly. It's a bit of a tricky one. Mm. Um, but it looks good when you lock it in and got some, some more reverses out of that. Uh, and then, yeah, after that was a match uh, that I had. And the guy I was facing, good close friend of mine, Al, um, he's uh, about twice the size of me. And you won't mind me saying that because I'm, I'm tiny and he's a lot bigger than me. Um, and, yeah, we, we worked a match and it was fine for, for the most part. And nothing really went wrong. I didn't feel anything go in my leg or anything. Um, but yeah, when I was traveling back from Birmingham, my leg just started seizing up more and more. And by the time I got off the train in Brighton, I could not even put any weight on it. Have, you ever, just like... have you ever considered that um, you, you might not be able to cut this business? <laughs> you're weak, son. You're weak. Uh, no, because I'm, I'm slowly healing and I'm actually training again this weekend with the legendary Marty Jones. You know what the answer is, don't you, to um, feel better? What's that? Juice and pain pills. Juice and pain pills. Brother! Brother. Just pop those pills all day and all night. It didn't go bad for any wrestlers in the past. Not at all. Not at all. Um, and, and I understand why, because I had a little twinge in my ankle and oh, it hurt. Ah. So, uh, And also, when, when our, I think we were just doing like a regular suplex um and just the way he flung me i think he didn't realize how much lighter i was he flung me so hard into the mat that just every flung it's a good word every bit of air just left me and i was just like Argh! um and the worst part was you had people like ethan page you had joel the referee doing his refereeing from the outside I had like every indie wrestler there is at the moment just watching from the side uh which adds just uh, just a little bit more pressure to to when you're doing a match 
Well, that's good, and I'm glad you got through it, and that's all very interesting, and we're enthralled. But we need to get to more pressing matters, <laughs> um, mainly... Um, I, don't, uh, I haven't asked how your week is. How was your week? Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, my week was very good. Thank you. Um, nothing wrestling-related has happened to me. Um, what's happened? I've got this podcast tonight. Works go well. Got a gig in Stroud tomorrow. If there's anyone in Stroud that wants to come to the Ale House and watch some upbeat acoustic folk music, you know what to do. Um, yeah, that's it really. Nothing too exciting. My body feels good. Um, no injured angles. Ankles. <laughs> angles not injured either. Uh, my body's not going to feel good after this podcast. Because, I was going to say, uh, this is the pressing matter. Where's my forfeit video? Your forfeit video hasn't happened yet because, um, A, training on the weekend was exhausted, also hung over, couldn't be bothered to watch Tesco. Finally could be bothered to watch Tesco this evening because I knew you'd kick off and be have a little shitty fit about it. Well, I'm doing it now. So, yeah, 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 I can tell. Arms are crossed, I'm imagining. Arms are crossed. <laughs> they actually are. <laughs> <laughs> so next to me, you can hear the, hear the rustle. I've got the Komodo Dragon Chilies, which say super hot, five star, five chili rating, whatever chili rating system is. And you're right, there's a lot of warnings on that packet. Do not handle without gloves. Does it, does it uh, actually yeah, we says got. That. Do not consume whole. Do not touch without wearing gloves. Skin irritant. Avoid contact with eyes. Please read reverse. There's even more reverse, but I can't really be bothered to, to read the rest of it. Um, so I will be recording after this. I'm going to be singing Billy Gunn's Ass Man while eating a Komodo dragon chip. I hate you so much. Oh, man, well, you did it to me first and it was miserable. And I did not make as much of a meal of it as you just did. So I'm... Looking forward to seeing the video, and um, if you start Selling crying, forever. if you start crying, please take the camera close to your eyes because I want to see the tears because they keep me going. I think because you handle spice, like I enjoy spice, but you handle spice a lot better than I do. So it's cool being a man, Max. It's cool being a man. <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to it, everyone. It's going to be a great great time. Great. Uh, I'm, I haven't said hello to listen, listeners yet. Hello, listeners. Oh, uh, we're, we do, we're not doing this for them. We do this for us. <laughs> As you've said many, many times before. <laughs> but thank you for everyone who's been listening and checked out last week's episodes and left your feedback. Um, Jesse's really disappointed because we just keep getting good feedback and he wants some uh, actual... I want to challenge someone. He, he wants to have an argument with someone. So if someone would like to leave a comment, uh, mainly berating him because I, I enjoyed a positive feedback because... I wasn't hugged as a child. Uh, I would appreciate that. <laughs> you were hugged too much. That's the problem with you. <laughs> That's the problem. You're soft. <laughs> Big You're girl. Weak. Right. Um, wrestling news. There's not actually that much to talk about this week, is there? Because There's not. It was um, a bit of a flat. Obviously, the biggest news was um, every internet fanboy getting butthurt about Emma being eliminated. I'm a little bit sad that Emma's been um, let go. Yeah. I mean, it's a shame, but... Well, who, who, I mean, I don't really care that much. No, c- kind of saw it coming. The only thing that doesn't make sense to me is the sense that they had um, her face Asuka at TLC. Now, if you're putting someone against Asuka, you do it with someone that you trust that can make the match look good because there's all this hype about Asuka and you want to make it look like she is this threat that you've been building up for so long. So you pick someone you trust and they pick Emma. Yeah, but... Then two weeks later, they're like, it's no. Yeah, but a lot of um, a lot of rumors are flying around, and again, they're just rumors. Obviously, I haven't spoken to any boys in the back, but um, it's they. Um, I'm in a good mood tonight. Can you tell? Um, <laughs> you're uh, 
uh, apparently, and this is what I said when we were doing our Meltzer predictions, I said, oh, it will be a quick match, Asker will squash her to get her over, you know, um, debut and stuff. And because it was like a 50-50 match, a lot of people are saying that that's, that was sort of the straw that broke the camel's back with Emma. They weren't happy with that because they wanted it to be a Asker goes out and dominates match. And it ended up being a quite a 50-50 match. Yeah, it's true. But it was... I really enjoyed the match. I know it didn't get a great review and people didn't really talk about it that much and not as good as TakeOver, but still, pretty good match. Yeah, it was okay, but don't dull your expectations. I mean, we've seen them at TakeOver and it was awesome. And if it's not as good as that, then it sucks. And that's the end of it. So that that's the scale, is it? If that's it's not my, as good. That's the Ben's rated, yeah. I love it. Old man Ben's coming in with his wacky rating system. Yeah. Omega Okada 3, not as good as 2. So I give it minus 7 stars. <laughs> I really liked number 3. The pacing was a lot no, better. No, so did I. And, uh, better? Was different. The pacing Wasn't... was better than an hour-long Broadway. No, not compared you to that one. You stupid man. I meant the pacing of a normal match was good. Right, fine. Yeah, all three matches were obviously classics. The top three matches of this year are those matches. But well, we'll um, find out when we get to our top five at the end of the year, won't we? Oh, is that what we're going to do? That'll be fun. Yes, um, we will. But, yeah, but then we'll have to squeeze in. But then we got Wrestle Kingdom on January the 4th. So we've got to squeeze in a podcast about top five Wrestle Kingdom matches, I imagine. I doubt a lot's going to happen between um, Christmas Eve and the end of the year. There's not going to be a five-star classic on Christmas Day on Raw. Well. I'm gonna eat. We're going to play this audio clip at six. Two months from now, aren't we? And I'm going to eat my words. Yeah, there's definitely there's going to be a the first five star Raw match ever. I believe it would be on Christmas Day, 2017. Can you believe that they have to work on Christmas Day? Yeah, I know. I mean, um, I if I, I would <laughs> if I was being paid that money. <laughs> but um, yeah, you don't care about family or friends. No, exactly. I'm a solitary man. But. Um, but yeah, no, it is, it is a bit rubbish, and I do feel bad for them, especially when they're on the road, you know, eight days out of the week anyway. And yeah, so I wouldn't be watching. I don't know who would, in their right mind, go, you know what, Nan's asleep, Dad's farting in the corner, I'm going to put on some wrestling. Yeah, not, yeah, so it's not the, well, actually, it's, it's probably, I, I have probably watched wrestling on Christmas Day before, but I watch the classics that make me feel warm and fuzzy inside. I don't want to watch a new, a new Raw. It's true. I'm just going to be showing my family Japanese wrestling with Japanese commentary really yeah. loudly. By the way, I, I was thinking about this earlier today, and you're an idiot, because <laughs> I... Because <laughs> I, I was just thinking how um, there's so much... I'm right about everything, and you're always wrong, and you always come round to my thoughts, and either you're idiot or I'm visionary. Which one's correct? Neither, because I think you've got about two examples where you've been right about something, but go on. Right, number one. I told you that Japanese wrestling was the best wrestling on the planet. You were watching your fruity Mexican stuff. Which is still very good, by the way, and and yeah, comparable. Now now you're New Japan Mark, right? You're well into that. Super Mark. Okay, number two. I told you that Nikki Cross was very attractive when she debuted on NXT. You said, no, I disagree. I think she's stanky. Your actual words. <laughs> and um, and and now, now, what do you think? I think I text you once going, she's all right in a certain light. No, no, it was more than all right. I, I think I might have had to push you for the answer, but you did say she's very attractive, which she is. Of course, not the most important thing about her. She's incredibly talented and a lovely person. Um, and what else? Oh, yeah. I was telling you that Ty Dillinger was awesome ages ago. Do you remember? <laughs> And yep. 
Yeah, and you you were saying, no, he's rubbish. This is an awful gimmick. It's terrible. It's going to die on its ass. What happened? It was the most overthinking wrestling for quite a while. It was. Now it's dead, but for a while you were right. Yeah, and you fell in love with him. Literally fell in love. Literally fell in love with him. And so, um, yeah, I'm pretty much right on all counts. That's... Just, were you were you going head. anywhere with this tangent, or was it literally just... Uh... No, 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 it just popped in my head no, earlier. No, no, no. <laughs> it's just, it's just a, I thought, I was going to message it to you earlier on Facebook, and I thought, no, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait until we're on air. <laughs> I'll wait until we've got a captive audience, Yeah, I'll exactly. shame you, I'll shame you in front of them all. <laughs> this is how dead for news wrestling's been this week, by the way, we've just spent so long just talking about, like, how you an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm going to get a list together for next week for how many times you've been wrong. Um, But speaking of Survivor Series, uh, you reminded me earlier that we do have TakeOver coming uh, just before Survivor Series, which I think is important to remember, because War Games is back, baby! Yeah, man, I'm happy for that. And they've officially announced the rules of the match for War Games, which is exciting, yes. Is Uh, uh, Is it WCW, the same as that? Yeah, well, for people who don't know War Games, it it will be a case of the three... Members of the team, so you've got Sanity, Undisputed Era, Stupid Name, and uh, the Authors of Pain uh, are going to war- wage war inside a massive steel cage, and there's two rings in there. Basically, all three teams are going to be contained inside separate shark cages by the entranceway. Then a member from each team will start the match. After five minutes, the remaining members from one team will be released uh, and allowed to enter the match. Another three minutes later, another person, another three minutes later, another person. Once everyone's in the ring, the match can be won by pinfall or submission. It's a WCW clusterfuck of beauty, if you ever have never seen one before. So I'm excited to see what's going on. I love WCW and I love WCW rules and I'm really excited for this. It is amazing. Uh, So I think that's it. Yeah, so based on that, hang on, so based on that, um, that can be part of our Survivor Series series then, can it? So, <coughs> oh, excuse me, um, ninth next week uh, when we record, it'll um, it'll be our top five Survivor Series matches, right? Yep. So I was going to ask about that. Are we going to do, are we including um, best of five elimination matches in that as well? They, they could be included. I've been slowly thinking today that we could actually do quite a lot here where you could do just top five Survivor Series matches. Then you could do a top five of elimination matches. And then we could do a um, you pick five people, I pick five people, and we have a match. How how, how would that work? Um, we get figures. Oh, I see. And over the air we go, and then body slam, suplex. You've been eliminated. That's how it would work. Well, if you want wrestling, no, we figures, talk about maybe. it anymore. Oh, uh, but uh, well, how can you talk? Uh, what? So we're just going to like commentate a fictional no. match? No, we're not going to do it. We'd literally, I'd ask you who would be the five people that you would pick for a Survivor Series team. Right. Okay. I might have my picks for five Survivors team, and then mine would clearly be better. So my team would just end up winning. So yeah, because that's, that's how wrestling works. That's how wrestling. It is exactly how it works. <laughs> Right, um, maybe. But what I was thinking was next week we do our top five Survivor Series matches and then as we've got a takeover, uh, on the um, 16th, we can do um, just top five NXT takeover matches. Much more simple, much more accessible. What do you think? Oh, I'm sorry, is that in the Survivor Series series theme? Well, yes, because 
an NXT takeover is on the same weekend in the same building to the majority of the same audience. We're going to discuss this off air because you and me are going to have words about this. You get right, okay. Well, if if anyone if put it to the people, if you would prefer, we'll it to, okay, we'll do a vote on Twitter after um, after the show. Cool, done, fine, sorted, fine, more, fine, whatever. <laughs> more pre-production <laughs> as we go. Um, wicked. So, are we ready to just go into our top five? Let's do it, baby. Let's do it. So, we are doing our top five Survivor Series moments. Now, this is not matches, but it can have match elements to it. We're just talking about those moments that kind of stand out. Now, it's very easy to do the iconic moments. um, And I don't really have the iconic moments in my list. I've got moments that I really enjoyed from Survivor Series. A couple of them are, um, I would say. But in all honesty, uh, yeah, there's not a lot really in terms of predictability i hope but you feel like we're gonna have some overlaps right yes i think um possibly possibly three at least two this week jeez that's quite a lot yeah well i I know well i know our our wrestling fandom correlates quite close doesn't it and we like very similar shows and watch similar shows together and stuff so uh, yeah i think we're gonna have some um, interesting crossovers okay um so we started last week to have a safe word when someone comes in with a top five that you already have, uh, just so that we're not going, yeah, what he said, that was the, that, that's what I meant too, uh, just so we can kind of talk about it together and, and input together. Um, would you want to stick with your stupid uh, safe word of C-Nation last week, or would you please, for the love of God, change it? Do you have a better one? Um, well, I was going to cut in some audio so we could go with an old Hulk Hogan brother. Okay, that would be good. Go with... Um... Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Just so, just a Hulk Hogan brother. That's good. Just yeah, brother. Okay. In voice, preferably. In oh, of course, you can't. can't of course. Not. Standard. Uh, so let's get underway with this week's top five. Is that where the jingle's going to be? No, just dramatic pause. Oh, I want a jingle. Do we have a jingle yet for going into our top five? No. Fix it. Sort it out. <laughs> Fine, here comes the jingle. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number, a glorious number. There it was, what a great jingle. Uh, Okay, I'm going to go first this week because I feel like I've let you go first forever because I'm a very gracious man. Um, But So, my number five comes from our most recent Survivor Series, 2016, just last year. And it is Goldberg returning and squashing Brock Lesnar in just over a minute. I'm so happy you picked this. Why? Because it's like my favourite moment ever. It's not on my list, but it just made me so warm and fuzzy inside when it happened. Right, so I didn't watch it live because I had work the next day. We're in England. It's on at like one in the morning, not doing it. And um, so I watched it later on on the network and um, started playing it and then I paused it just before that match to go to the toilet and I saw on the little bar at the bottom on the network there's like three minutes left of the show and I'm like oh my god like maybe Goldberg you know Goldberg can't cut it because he's too old so maybe he got injured straight away or Brock Lesnar just destroyed him really quickly what's happened and then come back watch it and Brock Lesnar gets completely squashed which (laughs) I just I couldn't believe it (laughs) it was just I I genuinely like the amount of arguments that me and Jesse had about Brock Lesnar in his recent return. My favourite was when Brock we were, 
when we were coming back from Wolverhampton um, from <laughs> the Fight Club show, um, we've been drinking like all day and we were with our friend Aaron. And um, we, I don't think we realized how loud we got on that tram. Aaron was like, almost getting between us to keep us away from each other, yeah, wasn't he? we got almost physical over an argument about how I thought Brock Lesnar was the worst thing to happen since coming back. And you were like, I love him. And uh, yeah, we made a lot of people uncomfortable on that trip. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we got quite heated. And, and I still stand by it. I think Brock Lesnar's awesome. And I, I love his I love his fuck you to the wrestling business. And he's making more money than anyone else for doing next to nothing. And it's it's brilliant. That's what the business should be about. He's completely manipulated it. And I love him. But anyway, and by the way, how how much of a perfect example is this? How much do you think Brock Lesnar was paid for this night for sixty seconds of work? Do you know what I mean? And it, but the like the moment was amazing. I genuinely believed when I paused it and saw how much time was left that Goldberg was going to die or something really bad had happened to him. Cause... Oh yeah, it was it was amazing. It was that kind of idea that Brock had been unstoppable up until this point and. There was the whole, because obviously the WrestleMania 20 match between those two bombed, and everyone was like, oh, here we go again. And to come out with that was just the best booking you could possibly do for it. Yeah, yeah, it was stunning. And um, But, like, I initially, it was just the shock that I felt when I watched that. And then, obviously, I mean, I was 24 hours late to the party because I watched it after work on the Monday, but I just ran to my computer, I was looking up everything. And um, God, it made me feel like, in this day and age, big moments like that don't come very often, do they? That's the and... thing. That that's the thing that kind of stuck with it. And I was a smug shit all day because I think I, I I watched it live, um, and and I don't think I texted you that day. I think you got quite concerned <laughs> but, uh, because I just I just can't wait for him to watch it. I think all I said to you was like, "Have you seen Have you seen Survivor Series?" Very, yeah. Very like, rarely no, does no. a day go by that we don't talk. I know, and it's yeah. just me giggling, waiting for you to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was it was crazy it made me feel like a teenager again just this big moment rushing to my computer trying to find as much information as i could and uh, and it was it was great I, I just completely bought into it great moment i yeah i stood up i marked out and uh yeah i was very happy very happy with that moment good choice good choice on number five thanks mate good opener good opener good opener my my number five includes brock lesnar ah yeah uh it's him getting uh screwed over again survivor series 2002 paul Heyman turns on brock lesnar ah and aligns with the big show yes the big um, show in jeans no less big show in jeans exactly those uh those fun black corduroys i think they might have <laughs> been corduroys almost oh, um I, I think they were jeans my friend okay we'll uh watch the tape back yeah we will enhance <laughs> zoom in <laughs> back and to the left <laughs> um i love this moment because this is one of my favorite pay-per-views um, of all time, really. Uh, Survivor great. Series 2002. It's such a good match. Uh, su- such a good show, sorry. Uh, the match is not good. It is, um, yeah. Paul was basically begging Brock not to fight, um, not to fight the show, big show. Um, and he's like, I can do it anyway. And then he, the night before on SmackDown, he beat him up and was like, see, I can beat him. And, uh, yeah, he just kept begging him not to really fight him. It was great kind of stuff because you never really saw it coming because it was a case of um, Heyman had been by Brock's side since he debuted. And the crazy thing about Brock's timeline is, like, he debuted, like, earlier this year, but it seems like he'd been around and he's a dominant main eventer for so long. He just won the title three months ago. It didn't so it seemed feel impossible rushed. To... It didn't feel rushed no. at all, did it, Brock? This, this is, is the thing. The it's, top. like, didn't feel rushed at all. His 
title win didn't feel rushed, and he only had it for three months. But it, in my head, in my memory, it was like the most dominant, longest reigning title I've ever seen. Yeah. So then he's fighting Big Show, and they do the whole, oh, he can't beat the Big Show. He can't get him up for an F5, because it wasn't really commonplace then. Yeah. To like, you know, Cena does it to Mark Henry every week on Raw at this point. Um, it wasn't really done. And then the referee gets knocked down. There's shenanigans going on. And then new referee runs down after Brock gets him up for the F5. And he hits an F5 on 500 pounds. God, the crowd and explode it, as well. I love watching yeah, that. Yeah, it was the like, oh just... my God, he's done it. And that would have been a perfect end. You know, it really would have just been a, that was cool. That was a good middle. Because it wasn't the main event. Obviously, Elimination Chamber was. This was just middle of the show. Yeah. Uh, would Would have been a fine finish. Fine finish. Um, and they would have been okay with it. Referee runs down. One, two, Paul Heyman pulls him out. And everyone's just like, what? That's Brock's man. What's going on? Clocks the referee. Brock looks at Paul. And Paul does that amazing beady-eyed little sneak thing he does. And then chokeslam on the chair. New champion. Ah, oh, so good. It's it was just... Um, but the iconic moment is just like when he pulls the referee out and just the eyes, the lock of eyes of Paul. And you, yeah, that's was when I just suspended all disbelief. And I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. This is so cool. It's brilliant. Um, it was such a natural, perfect babyface turn for Lesnar as well. Because he was already starting to get cheered. You just couldn't not cheer him. He was too cool. And yeah, they, just, they and, just turned him perfectly. Yeah, and after that as well, like Brock didn't get to touch Paul for like or show for like about three weeks. They kept, he kept getting suspended and all of this, and he just never got his hands on him. And it all led all the way through to like WrestleMania with Paul uh, managing Angle, and then Paul Heyman versus Brock Lesnar in a steel cage. It, it was just such a great little storyline that was built from that one moment. And yeah, hats off to, to whoever did that one because it's. One of my favourites, just just this little face. I can still see his little face. It was oh, great. I hate it. There's a brilliant moment earlier in that show as well, with when there's an interview with Paul Heyman. I'm watching it, knowing what happens later. The way he does it, he sort of the way he picks his words, and he says, "My client will be leaving as the WWE champion," but never name drops Brock Lesnar. So he's obviously talking about the Big Show, and it's just really good foreshadowing as well. Really, really good yeah. interview. And they made it believable in the sense that the, the two of them like rushed out the building as well and like left mouths like all all your fun little kayfabe gypsy whatever going on in wrestling. But Carney. it just it was just Carney, sorry, Carney gypsy folk. Um, but yeah, it was just it was a fun moment. It was a fun little storyline, and it, that's what started it all. Loved loved face Brock during that time. Yeah, me too. Um, and led to um. Yeah, I mean, eventually led to WrestleMania 19, Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar, like you said, which in is one of my favourite WrestleMania matches of all time. Yeah, exactly, because that was the start of it. It was, you know, Brock was face, and it was kind of beating Heyman was his retribution. I always remember that cage match on SmackDown, because it was like Brock Lesnar will finally get his hands on Paul Heyman inside the steel cage. And, um, like, that's when it became apparent that Brock on his own with a microphone is not the greatest option available he's had his um, moments he's had his good moments i will defend him, him on that him wearing a sombrero and dancing <laughs> during mariachi music is like one of my one of that's going to be a brock lesnar's hall of fame package and that makes me really happy yeah I um so. but yeah in the cage he beat up team angle he beat up kurt angle and then just like f5s Heyman and pins him and that leads to him facing him at wrestle kurt angle at wrestlemania great great little storyline first six months 
Yeah, I agree. It was good stuff. And it was the Ruthless Aggression era, which you and me are both big fans of. Um, so, moving on to my number four. Now, this moment, I actually re-watched earlier today to refresh my memory. And I should have left the memories alone, Max, because um, <laughs> it's, it's not... It's not quite as good as I remember, but it, it made me laugh. So, because it was a bit sort of silly. So, because of that, it stayed on the list. It is Survivor Series 2005. It's The Undertaker returning at the end of the show after Orton wins the Team SmackDown versus Team Raw match. Do you remember this? I do. Was that 2005? I thought that was a buried alive match. No, it was 2005 uh, when The Undertaker returned, I'm talking about. Oh, when the lightning kind of hit the casket. Yes, yes, you're right, because he got buried 2004. Yeah, 2003. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, and the whole, and interestingly, like, I, I, I'd, I'd be interested to know what the plans were had this not happened, because Randy Orton was only in that match to replace Eddie Guerrero, who had died a couple of weeks previously. So, like, the fact that Randy Orton ended up being the grand winner of this match and um, then the Undertaker's return and all this, like, wouldn't have happened if Eddie hadn't died. So Undertaker died. Uh, sorry, Eddie died for Undertaker's sins. But um, it was uh, so. Th- I rewatched this moment, um, and so Orton wins. He gets the RKO on Shawn Michaels. All the SmackDown jobbers come out from the, out the back, and they're all celebrating with Randy in the ring. His dad's in there, Cowboy Bob, and then um, so they're all uh, like celebrating, and then you hear the dong crowd pop. And you hear the dong. You hear the dong. And uh, the druids come out and put the casket down. Bearing in mind, a month previous at No Mercy, Orton had put Taker in a casket and set it on fire. He hadn't been seen since. Um, it was very cool because he did like the axe as well and poured it in. Loved yeah, it. it was proper. Yeah, it was really good. And like this stuff, when I see when I see this Supernatural Undertaker stuff on SmackDown, I'm like, yeah, fine. It's pre-taped. They did some, you know, a bit of magic there. But this was Survivor Series. This was live. So live television. The casket's there. Lightning comes down, strikes the casket, sets it on fire. It's like, what the fuck? And then then it opens and Undertaker comes out with a beard, by the way, which looks a bit weird. But he comes out and marches to the ring. Randy Orton jumps out of the ring. Taker just lays out every jobber in the ring. Every SmackDown guy that's in the ring gets battered. And so he throws someone over the top. I didn't recognise him. Paul Burchill comes up. One punch. And he goes down like a sack of shit. Um, <laughs> um, um, uh, who was it? No, Regal. Regal sacrifices himself for the business, right? He um, lets Undertaker um, give him a tombstone. But <laughs> Regal's legs... And like you know how people's legs look. Oh yeah, they're like up. <laughs> he's like he almost, he's almost doing the splits. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing, Mister Regal? But um, yeah, so he takes that tombstone whilst doing the splits, which is what made me laugh and kept it in this list. To be perfectly honest with you, and um, and then like the visual of Taker just taking everyone out and then looking over at Randy Orton, who looks terrified, obviously, as he's walking up the ramp. Is it was just such a cool closer and such a great like. So it was the main event of the show. The end of it, Randy Orton looked really good because he just won for Team SmackDown, and immediately they're in this storyline with Undertaker. It's just I thought that was great booking, really consistent, and a really memorable finish to that year's Survivor Series. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, you're right. That that 
moment where it just kind of strikes the coffin and the flames come up and he punches the door away. Yes. Like, that's Hollywood-esque kind of style stuff and it just looks so cool when he just pushes the the casket door open and it just stands there. Because uh, wasn't like Randy on everyone's shoulders at that point. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They and he was like, put me down, put me down, put me down. And everyone's <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know who that guy is. They're just like holding him up there. No one else is terrified. There is a weird moment because, yeah, the um, so the first dong happens and the crowd pop because they hear the dog, but no one in the ring reacts to it. As I hate that. Yeah. I hate that in wrestling when people are cutting a promo and they keep talking and someone's like loud music blares out and they just keep, and then, and then I'm going to beat him. Oh, someone's coming out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, the, Yeah, the, dog, the crowd go mental and Randy's just happy on the shoulders of everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's not until it's not until the lights change that they realise something's up. So maybe wrestlers are deaf, I don't know. Basically, yeah, wrestlers have severe hearing difficulties and lights the only way they can communicate. <laughs> so that's oh, that's very... my that's my number four and a bloody good one it is too. Hit me with yours. Good job, Daddy. Um my number four is a one that's not looked on favourably in wrestling history or wrestling lore as we can call it. Um but my number four is WWF wins the invasion in 2001. <laughs> okay. In all honesty. No, no, no. Like, because, no, 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 no. Let me explain. So it's, <laughs> shut up. I was like, so I got this tape um, from, do you remember Tewksbury Library? Yeah, like yeah. down, down yes, the high I, street? I do, where remember, I do remember Tewksbury Library. I once tried to rent out um, the video of Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. And I, it, it was a 12, and I was 11 at the time, and the lady wouldn't let me, and I was livid. What an old biddy. I know, that's my, that's my overlying memory of that library. Well, mine was that they used to sell, or they used to, you used to be able to rent wrestling VHSs, mm. and um, wrestling comic books. There used to be an Undertaker comic book that you could get in there. It's really, oh, really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, you missed out, brother. Yeah, right. But, um... They had a VHS of uh, Survivor Series 2001, which had the the end of the invasion storyline where it was Team WCW versus Team uh, WWF. Um, now, the whole storyline itself was handled terribly, and it's probably the worst booked thing in the history of wrestling. Yeah. I think we can all agree on that. But the match was pretty fun. And the moment that kind of stands out with me is the last couple of seconds when Kurt Angle comes down and he twats Stone Cold in the head with the WWF title, Rock gets to win, and WWF wins, but as Rock celebrates, he's lifting up the WCW title. I don't know why that kind of just stuck with me as such a weird thing. So they won by using the WF championship, but the WCW championship is raised high as kind of the final image of that show. Yeah, very, yeah, very weird. Yeah, it was it was odd, but you look at like who was in that match in the five on five Survivor Series. It's it's a who's who of Hall of Fame, really. Team WF was Chris Jericho, Big Show, Kane, The Rock, and Undertaker. Team Alliance was Booker T, Kurt Angle, Rob Van Dam, Shane McMahon, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, like, it's solid. It is a solid lineup. And you're right. The match uh, when you take away the booking and like the awful way that storyline was handled, the match on its own is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's a cool match. And then that um, from that moment, McMahon the next day is like, because WCW is no more, this is now just a world championship. And it weirdly disappears for a year and then it gets brought back and put onto a plate. Very confusing. But um, yeah, I just thought that was that was kind of a cool moment to have The Rock 
raised the title and kind of put an end to that storyline. Whenever I see it, I do think of what could have been done with that storyline and how they could have booked it. Um, I wish they'd kept... They should have waited a few months until they had people like Hulk Hogan, Goldberg, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, all the big names, basically. They yeah. Even Ric Flair, you know, they should have waited until they had all these people before they did an invasion angle. I wish they'd kind of kept the um, the kayfabe side of it alive and just like when Shane was down there and was like, I own WCW, you know, kept all the staging, actually ran WCW shows alongside WF. Yeah. And, you know, actually kept kept the show running until someone fires a shot at one another and then you start doing um, the angles and stuff. Because yeah. otherwise it just got so weird with people like swipping, swapping sides and... Yeah, I don't. I I didn't understand the yeah, whole thing giving, at all. Giving ECW to Stephanie McMahon. What was that about? Yeah, that was that was kind of the start of it. I understand logically. Steph buying WCW and Shane taking over ECW made a lot more sense. Um, but my favorite is they kept cutting to during the match. They kept cutting to backstage, which made it more kind of real and believable because I really bought into it as a kid. Um, you know, oh my God, the WF could go out of business. You know, WCW could like take over. Oh my God, this is insane. <laughs> but um, yeah, and they just kept cutting to backstage with like whenever like Big Show got eliminated first, and the guys in the back on on the uh, WF side would be like, oh man, that sucks. That's like our big guy gone. And then when WCW finally lost at the end, they just cut to SmackDown, uh, cut to WCW. So I just automatically associated smackdown losing brand there that's not good uh you just got stephanie like screaming and stuff like no it was great i watched um i watched ecw one night stand 2006 recently the second one so the second night stand um with uh john cena in the main event but um I'd, I'd completely forgotten that Mick Foley had a heel run in 2006 do you remember this with um when he teamed with edge and lita yeah yeah. Yeah, vaguely. And there was that really that. wicked match between um who was it? It was Tommy Dreamer, Terry Funk, and Bueller. And yes, that's right, against Edge Lita and Mick. But um Mick comes out and um does a heel promo. Um and it's amazing before this match. And he says at one point he says, No, but you know, in all seriousness, we should um we should give you know, we should give thanks and praise the absolute visionary, the owner of ECW stephanie mcmahon <laughs> the whole crowd just like, <laughs> Boo! it was amazing it was such a good heel promo but um uh, everything about that match uh edge does the best heel pin when he's got bueller kind of like okay, dry folded over and he just dry humps to freak out and i was like that's why you're my favorite wrestler great right there terry funk is just like gazing into the distance throughout the whole match he has no idea terry where he funk is. Just caught in barbed wire going, my eyes, Mick, <laughs> Mick my eyes. Cactus, cactus. <laughs> he is not bad, man. I, I love Terry Funk. He looked like, honestly, the look on his face when he comes out for that. He has, he looks like he's just been delivered in a box and they've just opened up the box and he's just walked out. <laughs> he has no idea where he is. But anyway, we're getting sidetracked. Do you want to know an interesting bit of trivia about this um, Survivor Series match you're talking about? Hit me. Are you ready to be hit with this bit of trivia? This is, it, is a fun fact? it is. This is the only time ever that The Rock beat Stone Cold Steve Austin on pay per view. Really? Yeah. Well, barring WrestleMania. But 19. sorry, yeah, until WrestleMania 19, which was like the point 
So, like, that annoyed me on that. So he was always saying, I've never beaten Stone Cold at WrestleMania. And it's like, no, mate, you've never beaten Stone Cold on one-on-one on pay-per-view, ever. That Until WrestleMania 19, that was the only time. You think of all the matches those two had. That's the only time that The Rock beat Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know what, Jesse? What? What was a fun fact? That was a fun fact, wasn't it? Thank you for <laughs> the kudos. Uh, yeah, it, in my head, I booked the... Um the whole alliance storyline so much differently and it's it's just better up there and then it ends in this great five on five match and kurt angle hits his little bold head and wf wins and it's a fairy tale ending he wasn't but bold every, then. But before yeah. that didn't happen no he hits stone cold's bold head oh stone cold sorry i beg your pardon um yeah i've i've booked it many times with my um mattel action figures um <laughs> in my living room and i probably will after we do this podcast we are growing adults to pay bills, ladies and gentlemen. We do pay bills. Pay bills, play with wrestling figures. Um, I have a imp- very impressive collection. I will take a picture and we can share it on the Instagram because I know everyone's dying to see them. Dying. Um, dying to see them. Okay, are we ready for my number three? I guess. Yeah, we are. Um, we're sticking with the dead man. We're sticking with the Undertaker. We're going back to 2003. And it is The Undertaker getting buried alive by Vince McMahon slash Kane. And this is the final appearance of the American badass Undertaker. It's true. Uh, We could pretty much do a top five list of Undertaker Survivor Series moments. There's just that many of them. Yeah, definitely. Um, But this one, um, this is the the first... I think it's fair to say that this is up to that point in my life it was the bloodiest wrestling match I'd ever seen in my life. Oh, it was it was ridiculous. Vince, what are you doing? Yeah, it the blade job like there are there are like, you know, Japanese matches from the nineties and Ric Flair in the early nineties and stuff that where they bleed more. But I hadn't seen them. I was you know, too young to have gone back and watched that stuff. So Vince, seeing Vince McMahon bleed like that was just like Jesus Christ. Like he really, really Again, sacrifice his forehead for his business. And take... 2003 but... was not a good year for blading for him, because also Zach Gowan, a couple of months oh, beforehand. Yeah. Yeah, not exactly. a good year. I think that's why he disappeared after 2003. <laughs> Just... <laughs> then a few months later, at Judgment Day 2004, we get Eddie Guerrero's blade job. Do you remember that? Against JDL. Oh, actually makes me want to throw up. Yeah, horrendous. But, so this is the final appearance of the American badass biker taker, who... None of us. Like, we liked it when we were kids, didn't we? But We did. I I really liked it as a kid. I, I liked <laughs> the American Badass. But when we look... Well, personally, when I look back on it now, I just think it's so lame and embarrassing to see a man in his 40s, like, dressed like a teenage biker and just no-selling everyone. It's just shameful, I think. That's what I hope to be. <laughs> well, we all do secretly. But um, <laughs> he's basically ripping off chains. Do you remember Chains? Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, it's just the same gimmick. He's just taken Chains' gimmick. But um, anyway, this was the last appearance of him, and it led to the dead man coming back, who he was from WrestleMania 20 all the way up until oh. his retirement. Let's, and... let's just quickly talk about that WrestleMania 20 return. Oh, that entrance like, is awesome. He gets you know buried at Survivor Series. It's talked about him coming back, and we'll get into the build-up of it, but just you're waiting and yeah. you're waiting, and you're waiting, and then, dong, crowd just lose it, absolutely lose it. Well, no, first you get, oh, no! Oh, 
and Paul Bearer comes back, and that's awesome Druid, as well. Yeah, that made me pop hard, and um, yeah, that was great. And Kane, I think Kane, he's all that time under the mask, he's a fantastic actor. Like the way he um, played that monster character, the expressions on his face when Taker was returning at WrestleMania 20 and how scared he looked. I thought he did an amazing job. I thought Kane, when when he did lose his mask, did the actual proper mental Kane afterwards when he was like setting JR on fire, tombstoning Linda McMahon, yeah. attaching jumper cables to Shane's testicle. I love wrestling. <laughs> That's, yeah, that was my personal. I just listed off like just <laughs> two months in the history of wrestling. Tombstoning one of um, one of the America's current members of government. <laughs> yeah, good times. <laughs> but Kane, but uh, Jay, that WrestleMania entrance again when Taker gets in the ring. So Taker's like got his stony face on. He's a dead man again. Uh, Kane looks shit scared. He's like, Ugh! and Jr. Jr. has an amazing call. He says, "The eyes, the eyes tell a story from both men." And the camera cuts from either one, and they're just like chalk and cheese on how they're reacting to this. And it's so cool. It's just such a cool moment. Yeah, definitely. But if we go back to the match where, because um, Undertaker wasn't going to lose to Vince McMahon in a buried live match to, in my little head when I was watching it, this is an impossible feed. How can this possibly happen? Exactly. But of course, it happened. Yeah. I remember one bit of this match as well when. Um, Taker's just generally beating the shit out of the man. He's bleeding and he's like hitting him with a shovel and all sorts of shit. And um, he's by uh, the commentary table near the fans and he's like hitting him. And then he just looks to the fans and Undertaker goes, I'm just getting started. And this fat old woman in the front row just goes, Woo! <laughs> she's, really, she's really into it. Make him bleed. <laughs> yeah. And like, she, yeah, literally, he's holding Vince McMahon, who's like dripping with blood about. 10 inches away from her and she's like yeah this is great wrestling didn't mean to get any offense in, in that match at all because it starts with him just like full-on bonked to the head with that shovel the only bit uh, of offense he gets is um so after he's been battered taker throws him over his shoulder and takes him up to the grave throws him on the sand and vince manages to throw some sand in taker's eyes and hit him in the stomach with a shovel to get him in the in the grave for all of about 10 seconds and that's it that's the only offense vince gets and then the finish of that match is the explosion and kane getting involved and kane putting him in the grave and then getting vince to drop the all the um mud onto it to bury him alive which was such a great looking moment when they did the up the up angle shot of kane and then you had the digger above and kane just hand in the air drops the thumb down, and then all the dirt just piles into the grave. Yeah, it was brilliant. And I, I've always remembered this as well. So he's standing there with his armour, like Black Power, just um, <laughs> all all bold and like unmasked, and he starts like laughing maniacally as all the dirt's coming down, burying Taker alive. And the way he's laughing makes his stomach roll in this sort of bizarre sort of belly dancing way. And... <laughs> <laughs> it's just like I, I watched this live when I was 13 years old and it's just stuck with me forever. That's the first thing I think of when I think of that moment. So this is an iconic moment for The Undertaker's eventual <laughs> return. This is just for belly dancing Kane. That's the thing we suggest he's better at number three. <laughs> Honestly, go back and watch it and watch Kane's belly dance as he laughs. It's, it's a sight to behold. 
But last week, hang on, last week yeah. we suggested people go back and watch. We post on Twitter uh, a great documentary about the rise and fall of Tetsuya Naito, um, a match between like Tyler Bates, and this week we're going to be posting Kelly Kane's belly roll. <laughs> It's brilliant. It, honestly, um, yeah, it's well worth um, being in number three just for that. So that, but but the main reason it's here is the death of the American badass character, the return of the Undertaker that we all know and love uh, to this day. And um, I've got a lot of criticisms about the Undertaker, but generally speaking, when when I weigh up all my opinions about him, there's more like than dislike. I think, and I I would call myself a fan. I'm, yeah, yeah, I 100% agree with that. There's a lot, lot of good ways out, all the rest of the bad. Yes, I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, my number three, then, is I just looked at my list and I was like, should I put this higher? No, no, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there, it's fine. Um, number three, my personal favourite moment from um, a WCW standpoint was in Survivor Series 2014, Sting makes his debut. Ah, yes. How could this not be an iconic moment? The last holdout, really, yeah. of people who matter, in, in all honesty. Vince's um, last get. Vince's last get, and what a get it was, and he made him pay for it, that's for sure, <laughs> uh, was Sting debuting at Survivor Series. Um, the build-up to the match was great. I, I really personally enjoyed the whole authority angle kind of stuff. I enjoyed up until this point. Anything past this is, is just not good at all. Um, but Team Cena versus Team Authority was was great. It was one of my maybe maybe, maybe it'll be in one of my top five favorite elimination matches. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but you eventually have uh, Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins at the end. What we've been seeing for months, the Authority keep keep getting involved, keep getting involved, and they. Um, Sorry, I'm just looking at the match card here, and it says Adam Rose and the Bunny defeated Slater Gator, Heath Slater, and Titus O'Neil. <laughs> it, was a, it was a good era. <laughs> oh, a lot of high moments. A lot of high moments going on there. Um, Someone was yeah. high. Yeah. How about Slater Gator, man? <laughs> Titus O'Neil. No, I love that. That's your go-to stoned voice. I think it's a solid stone voice, man. <laughs> it's, I like it. It's good. <laughs> but against authority so you got Dolph Ziggler Seth Rollins left in the final and then uh Triple H gets involved I'm gonna go out on a limb and I think you're gonna argue with me about this but Dolph Ziggler is the greatest last man standing in a five on five match uh as as Shawn Michaels was retired at that point I will agree no I'm saying of all time of all time of all time shut, beat Randy shut beat the Jordan. front door shut <laughs> the front door um, no, Shawn Michaels is the greatest last man standing of all time. And I will point to um, my... Um, uh, it's not on my list, actually, but only only because i completely forgotten about it. But when we do a greatest um, matches, it will definitely be. I point to Shawn Michaels in Survivor Series 2003, Team Stone Cold versus Team Bischoff. And do you remember that? I do remember that. Yeah, Blood H- dripping down again. Yeah, HBK getting through, like nearly doing the impossible and get, nearly getting through a three-on-one disadvantage. He's a stunning last man standing and way better than Dolph could ever be. Do you want to bet on that? <laughs> How can you bet on an opinion? <laughs> <laughs> I can do whatever I want. But okay, uh, no, I, continue. But, but, hang on, let, let me 
prefix this by saying why, because Dolph Ziggler uh, was this... it. I don't know. I'm I'm drinking wine again. I shouldn't drink po- wine when I'm talking po- to you. Post-fixing. Post-fixing. Uh, Ziggler's only the second wrestler to survive a three-on-one situation in a Survivor Series elimination match. Who was the uh, first? Rick Flair, of course. In oh, two thousand six, when he survived, he survived. I'm doing air quotations, even though this is a audio podcast. Uh, when he survived Mickey, Kenny, and Johnny of the Spirit Squad, Woo. what a tough battle that was. <laughs> Dolph Ziggler survived Kane, Luke Harper, and Seth Rollins. So better than Ric Flair as well. Yeah, Fine. I'm just trying to get a rise out of you at this point. It, yeah, I know. I'm not. I'm not going. I'm not going <laughs> to jump to it. Just uh, so we, uh, ironically, we've spoken about. So you think Dolph Ziggler's the best, and um, I said Shawn Michaels. You just brought up Ric Flair, and Dolph Ziggler is just the poorest of poor man's versions of both Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels. It's like a hybrid, like they do a little hybrid dance in Dragon Ball. That that's what you get. Yeah, exactly. You get Dolph Ziggler. Um, not we were discussing. Talk, oh. We were discussing the other day about where Dragon Ball people go Super Saiyan, whether their pubes go. Um, go gold as well as their hair. And um, so if anyone has any opinions on that, please do hit us up on the, any of the Got Tool 5 social media platforms. We're interested in that as well. The first time that you've promoted the social medias this season <laughs> is to find out whether Super Saiyan pubic hair goes gold. And I feel like we need to draw a line of like our private conversations and on-air <laughs> conversations. Uh, okay. Should we start like doing it? Like, if, if we write something in a different font or something, it means it cannot be shared. <laughs> But I am curious of your opinion, everyone in the Got Till 5, Milky Way, whatever Jesse calls you. Yeah, that's it, Got Till 5, Milky Way. Loving it. Um, we kind of digressed a bit from Sting here, haven't we? Yeah, sorry, he's very captivating, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> so it comes down to Dolph Ziggler, Seth Rollins at the end, Triple H gets involved, oh my god, the authority's going to do it again! What a dick! Because uh, if, if they lose, they get removed from power completely. Uh, Cena gets eliminated first, it's a big shock, oh my goodness, and he gets him in the pin. <laughs> Calls out the referee. What's his name? Scott. Scott something or other. Scott Armstrong comes down. He's been in the pocket of the authority the whole time. Little He's going to count the three to seal the deal. Uh, but then... <laughs> <laughs> the crow music hits. Everyone starts going a bit mental. Not the greatest pop I was hoping for. Because everyone was like, ah, Crow, who else could that be? But Sting, and they teased it a little bit too long. Anyway, side point. Then they flashed his face on the screen, and out walks Sting. That was, a good, that was a good part. When his face appeared on the screen, that was a good part. It was. It was. Um, but fuck Michael Cole forever. Forever. For, I hate... I, like, just whenever he says to Stinger, Stinger's whenever here. he says, the Stinger, yeah. the Stinger's here... Oh, so angry. I agree. Do you know what else? Um, and again, sidetracking a little bit. When Michael Cole used to call Rey Mysterio Ray Ray. Ugh. Ugh. He's dying a hole. It's not Ray Ray, you stupid man. I'm glad Heidenreich got to you. I'm glad. <laughs> they bum raped you whilst poetry reading. Um, there's, a funny, but there, yeah. there's a funny clip. I think it was on Raw. Do you remember that one Raw match that Sting had in a tag team match against... Big Show or something. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Just before Night of Champions. His only win in the WE. Yes, that's right. Um, By DQ, I think. Yeah. No, I don't think it was. I think he got a clean pin. But um, he hits the... Um, oh, God, I forgot what it's called now. His reverse DDT. What does he call it? Um, 
I've just got the stinger on my head now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it, I think it is actually something like that. But <laughs> when he hits it, um, Michael Cole just f- forgets as well what it's called, like we have. I mean, I'm taking the piss out of it, but it turns out he's actually um, entitled to That's it. quite a difficult job. <laughs> yeah, fair play, Michael. Love Scorpion Death Drop. Scorpion Death Drop, well done. But he hits it and Michael Cole just goes, Stinger! Sting! 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 <laughs> just like... <laughs> That's worth finding as well. Michael Cole's commentary on the finish of that match is so funny. Just the way he trips over it the word sting about a million times Dang. love it <laughs> but sting comes out he comes to the, the ramp triple h is there in his sweaty shirt because he's a member of the authority and he's looking down the aisle at the man who was just king of wcw and he's there we're ignoring michael cole's commentary at this point it's not happening we're just listening to the crowd we're taking the moment in we're just we're just feeling feeding off everyone giving it to us and he just starts walking towards the ramp. Triple H is breathing. He's breathing all heavy. I'm Triple H. Uh, 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 I take my uh, tie off when I get serious. When I talk like this. And Sting gets in the ring. Crowd just You can feel it. You can feel it in the air. And fair play to Triple H for this. He um he goes for something, a clothesline, I presume. Sting ducks it. He just does a kick to the gut. And Triple H sells it like it's the strongest kick he's ever received in his life. He just drops to one knee. And you can just see him gasping for air. And Sting just takes his time getting in the Scorpion Death Drop, walks him around, and then just drops him, puts Ziggler over Seth. One, two, three. Authority is gone uh, from power. Uh, another great moment after that is Stephanie, for a good five minutes, screaming and crying in the ring while Triple H tries to console her. It is so funny to watch. So <laughs> funny. Just her crying and screaming. It's just amazing. But... Sting standing on the entranceway, Triple H looking back at him. We know it doesn't end well because we get to WrestleMania and it's just the worst decision ever. WWE, WWE always beat WCW in the end, remember? Always. Uh, WrestleMania, that's the story they want to tell. Yeah. Uh, even if you get NWO out and DX and it just it's seven old men running around a ring. It's like a Benny Hill sketch. It's just awful. I reckon. I reckon, uh, Vince. I actually quite liked all those run-ins and stuff. Like, I I know it was gimmicky, but you got to remember, Sting's fifty-six. Like, you couldn't put on a straight, or he was then, you know. Um, But I like to think that Vince was like nothing but lovely to Sting. Like at WrestleMania thirty-one, before the match, he's like Steve, and like gives him a big hug and stuff. And he's like, "How are you, man? I'm treating him like a king." I think and there's a documentary where he does that. Oh, really? He's like, hey, come in here. We need to talk. Oh, amazing! It's real estate, Steve. And um, <laughs> and, then, and, um, and so he's all lovely to him. And then the match happens, and then Sting goes backstage, and like everyone's ignoring him. <laughs> no one speaks to him, and just pretends he isn't there. And he ends up having to leave, like by the fire escape or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where is he? Where? And and he has this weird Japanese like drum in- introduction. Oh yeah, that's funny as well. That was all... the start. That's when I knew we were we were in for a world of trouble. That was funny because they they all had Sting face paint on except for one old dude who was obviously like the leader of the drum people, and he didn't have any makeup on. He's like, I'm too old for this shit. I'm the best Japanese drummer in the world. I'm not wearing any makeup. <laughs> I'm not an idiot. Yeah, he definitely spoke like that as a Japanese drummer. <laughs> I'm not new, new boy. No damn idiot boy. <laughs> I've watched enough New Japan. I See know, the I, same. I know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Arigato, Mr. Arigato. <laughs> yeah, that was borderline race. That was, no, it's just No, it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, that. 
that moment, Sting came back. Obviously, if you've listened to the last seven episodes of this podcast, you might have picked up the hint that um, I kind of like Sting. Bit of a fan. But he wasn't in your top five of all time, though, was he? He wasn't, and I justified that. Go back to episode one and listen, everyone, and you'll find out why. And and you didn't even know what his finisher was called, so how big of a fan are you, really? (laughs) Stinger boy. At least my fan, my favourite's still alive. And so not my, in uh, hell. Yeah, okay. Uh, mine is. Ah, uh, uh, mine's in the eighth. You're about to get all like, ah, 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 here I come. <laughs> well, no, I was about to, yeah, I was, because I remember my number one of all time was Ric Flair. And I was like, nope, barely, but he is still alive. But then I remembered that the only reason he was number one is because of what my actual favourite did to his family. So, yeah, you're right. Well done. Point well made. Here you go. Lay it on me, Daddy. What's number two? Number two for me is Survivor Series 2002, the birth of the Elimination Chamber. And. Brother, 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 brothers! Ah, nice. You're in there, are you? Uh, number two as well. Really? Number two for me as well. Oh, we can join this. This is going to be a short night. Um, so, so I've. Good night, re- everyone. Hey? Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Yeah, bye. Uh, so. I've written The Birth of the Elimination Chamber, Feeling Like WCW Gimmicks Are Back, and Sean Winning the Title After Being Gone So Long are my three main points of why this was a good moment. So I wrote yeah, First Elimination Chamber match, Sean Win Gold Last Time. Sean Win Gold Last Time. Uh, good, with, with a Dutch boy haircut and um, horrible shitty brown tights, which is still something that I think of more than his actual performance is his appearance that night. Because his hair looked awful, and his unfinished brown tights looked horrendous as well. Yeah, it, it was not a pretty look. But no. um, I, I was a bit torn about what what is the iconic moment. Is it the first Elimination Chamber match? Because what you've got to remember is, um, up until this point, Eric Bischoff wanted to beat SmackDown for having the Hell in a Cell match. So he came up with the Elimination Chamber idea. Kayfabe. Um, and he wanted to beat, and he just told us what it was all about. He just was like, it's got steel and glass, and it's like a Royal Rumble and a war games all mixed in together, but didn't show you the picture of it. You didn't know what it looked like. No. And then they they lowered it, and he came out, and he just starts hitting it with, with the pipe, and it just looks so cool. Yeah. Like, uh, that's all like that's all exposition, isn't it? Like, I like that, because Bischoff comes out and sort of shows off the structure, but all he's doing, really, is explaining to the fans what the rules are so that they know what they're about to watch. Yeah, yeah, completely. It's quite um, a good booking in that respect, I think. But I, I just... That was the last time that there was really true innovation in, in WE. That That's one of those iconic structures. And Money in the, the Bank promo... was the last true innovation, I would say. Yeah, but that's just seven guys in a ladder match. This was something new. This yeah, they got a lot yeah. out of it. But yeah, I agree. And the eliminate, and I was still, you know, this was what November two thousand and two. So WCW had closed eighteen months previously, something like that. Yeah. And uh, so I was still a bit butthurt and sad and missing WCW. And this felt like a genuine sort of mad thing that WCW would do. So to me, it felt like oh, this is like a proper WCW gimmick that's coming back, not coming back, but like feeling. It almost feels nostalgic, even though it's brand new. Yeah, it's true. And the fact that Eric Bischoff did it just kind of added to that nostalgia fact. Yeah, exactly. Um, you, you had a great 
team in there. You had uh, six of the best that were in there. You had Shawn Michaels, Booker T, Chris Jericho, Kane, Rob Van Dam, and Triple H. Uh, Triple H had his larynx crushed by Rob Van Dam early in the match. He did. When he mistimed a five-star frog splash and hit him in the throat. In the very top, his shin went across his throat. That fucking, that sounds like it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Not the fun. And, he re- and that point. was at the start of the match. And I carried on wrestling for a while. And then Triple H, thought, Triple H thought, oh man, this WCW gimmick sucks. I'm going to take it out on Sting in 15 years' time. <laughs> <laughs> if he ever comes, don't help him. <laughs> but uh, the, the match was solid. I, I think, um, I imagine it's not a match you really practice. Uh, you talk about your spots, but you're not actually going to go in there and practice what you're doing. You well, know, that, backdropping that one... off the Sting. They had no, yeah, they had no rehearsal for that that day at all. They hadn't even been in the structure really, and you know, until the show because it only arrived that day at the arena. No one had seen it, so they had no idea what to expect. Hence, why things like Triple H's throat gets crushed because Rob Van Dam tries this high spot, but he's never been up there. He doesn't. They just haven't tried it. You know? Distance, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, Sean eventually, because again, we're getting into the Triple H reign of terror era. Um and yeah, Shawn Michaels vanquishing him finally, uh, delivering a sweet chin music to Triple H and pinning him and winning the world title with the confetti coming down. Uh I think you had the image from one of your Power Slam magazine trages where it's another kind of like upshot, they love an upshot in yeah. WE. Uh, with him waving and the confetti coming down and normal blood because Sean's got a paper forehead. Yeah. And um, his Dutch boy haircut. And his Dutch boy haircut. And his shit pants. Or Dutch maybe he wore brown because he was no, he was a bit nervous about his first <laughs> yeah, match. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah, no one will notice. Do you know what my greatest fear is? Is shitting myself in the ring. It, uh, CM Punk did it once. Um, uh, he talks about it on the Colt Cabana podcast that he did. You know the infamous Colt Cabana podcast. But um, yeah, um, CM Punk shit himself in the ring once because of um, some pain pills that he was taking, and he reckons that gave him um, diarrhea. It's a genuine because like before we did the the training on Sunday, I'd been drinking the night before, so I was, my stomach wasn't happy. And I said, like, "I'll I'll just go to the toilet at the venue." I always go just before a match, getting a good insight here, listeners. Uh, but I go around and there's no toilet paper in the whole venue, and then I'm like, "Okay, come on, it's it, it's time," and I'm just like, "I'm gonna shit myself in the ring, <laughs> everywhere." Make it a gimmick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> good good answer never booked again <laughs> but yeah um so sure and sean winning the world heavyweight or the wcw title as i still viewed it at the time was cool as well and a bit surreal because in my going back to my mattel slash hasbro universe when i was using all my figures when i was a kid my version of the nwo had Shawn michaels as the third guy instead of hulk hogan so that was my fantasy booking with my figures, and he always won the WCW title with my toys. So it was quite cool to see him in real life have oh, that belt nice. with my toys. <laughs> so it was quite cool to see him with that belt in real life, and it made all my fantasies come true. That's very sweet. That's and a lovely. <laughs> <for you. laughs> Thank you. It's a nice insight. Whole clutching Shawn Michaels as he watches it tear down his eye. I was. My Shawn Michaels didn't have brown tights on. <laughs> You did when you were finished with him. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> so what was more iconic for you, actually seeing the Elimination Chamber or seeing Shawn Michaels win the title for the last time? I, I think um, 
I mean, it's it's a before and after thing, isn't it? Because going into the show, <laughs> what, 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 what? I, 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 that's <laughs> I go Jewish. Um, uh, it's because going into the show, I wasn't expecting Shawn Michaels to win at all. But I was like, oh, this, I was excited to see the, what the Unwinished Chamber was. I was like, oh, this is cool. It feels WCWE. I like it. And like you said, the whole card, Survivor Series 2002, is fantastic. Like, even Billy Kippen versus Jamie Noble is a stunning match. Like, every match on that card delivers. And It is. It yeah, is. Um, even the pre-show on Heat was Lance Storm and William Regal against Goldust and Hurricane. Which I really enjoyed. It's a very short match and a bit ridiculous, but love <laughs> Lance Storm and William Regal. I don't think I've seen that. Have you seen that because you had the DVD and they always put it on the extras? The, yes, um, I the did. Matches, yeah. I wore that, that DVD out. I was obsessed with that DVD. Um, <laughs> and I actually remember showing my dad it. This was like the first time I've, I like introduced my dad. Like, here, this is what I enjoy doing in the evening, looking <laughs> at naked men. He's like, okay, let's see what this is all about. And he had a good time. The thing I always loved about watching wrestling with my dad was um, he would just laugh the whole time. It's like, this is stupid. (laughs) This is ridiculous. Um, But yeah, the whole pay-per-view, as you say, Billy Kim and Jamie Noble, Dudley Boys and Hardy versus Freeman at Warning and Rico. Trish and Victoria Uh, in a hardcore match. Hardcore match with the the ironing board. I always remember the ironing board spot. Yeah, because they're winning. because they're women, Jesse, yes. They weren't that advanced in 2002. Yeah. And Los Guerreros defeated, or versus, spoilers, Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle and Edge and Rey Mysterio for the tag team titles. Yes, great match. They sort of tried to, they because the No Mercy one was so good, they thought by adding Los Guerreros it would be even better. On paper it would be, but it actually wasn't. But it was still a very, very good match. But anyway, but yeah. So, <coughs> oh, excuse me, I've still got this cough. No, I, had the, I had the cold like two weeks ago. The cough just won't go away. Um, but yeah, so going into it, the Elimination Chamber was the biggest thing for me, but I was so pumped when it finished that Shawn Michaels had won. That was more important than the Elimination Chamber to me. The fact that Shawn Michaels was WCW or World Heavyweight Champion was like awesome. I was so excited by that. Yeah. And the fact that he only had it for such a short time didn't really matter. It was just that moment, you know, it just, just kind of stays with it. Um, I hate how pansy-fied the Elimination Chamber has become. They put padding where the steel used to be. You say that. Padding. Yeah, I know. You say, I, oh, I hate how pansified it is. I preferred it when they were, like, legitimately destroying their bodies. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> it it sucks. Believe me, I know it sucks. But it's just like, if you're having this um, match, like, it's the same as what Helena Sellers kind of become. It's like, okay, if you're using it as a sense of, it's a six-man tournament match, but it's a way to enclose it and use it as a no-disqualification match, padding, fine. But but if you're using it as kind of like a way to set a few between a, a group of people, then, yeah, it should be designed to kind of like mess each other up and do all kinds of stuff to each other. Um, and it just makes, it's again, it's another gimmick pay-per-view that I just don't see the point in. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't like that. Hell in a Cell, TLC, Elimination Chamber. I don't like that they've become their own shows. They're supposed to be like once in a blue moon special matches yeah. to end big feuds. Yeah, what do you do to end a feud now? Like it's it's like did they do last man standing matches? There's just there's no way to end a feud anymore. It's just whoever gets the most pinfalls over a series of shows, and that's that's the end of it. Like when Randy Orton just suddenly gave up on beating Jinder Mahal. He's like, oh, I can't do it. I'm not good enough. I'm just going to go do something else now. Just It just makes it look 
weird and a bit weak in all honesty. Yeah, I completely agree. Am I right in thinking, have I made this up? Did they once have a pay-per-view called Fatal 4-Way? Yes, they did. Yeah, that's what the, how stupid is that? Anyway, um, so yeah, Elimination Chamber was awesome. It's our joint number two, and I have a feeling that we'll also have a joint number one. What is your number we one? Are gonna have a, we are going to have a joint number one because... When we're talking about a Survivor Series moment, it's been done to death a hundred times over. But you're going to get angry. We're going to get angry if I don't say Brett screws Brett 1997 Survivor Series. Brother, 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 brothers, brother. There's no way we, this couldn't be number one, without a doubt. So if you don't know about wrestling, Sean Michaels you wins the Yeah. <laughs> you've come to the wrong place for this one but well done for lasting an hour listening yeah. to us talk about nonsense um obviously for everyone who knows it was in montreal bret hart had the world title there was rumors of him leaving wc leaving for wcw well, vince was very rumors. paranoid that this well, it was more than rumors um it was going to happen vince was very paranoid that Brett was just going to leave with the wcw title and do what alundra did with the women's title uh, and he couldn't let that happen um, Brett says he'll drop the title to Sean, but it can't be in Canada. He'll drop the title to him the next night on Raw. Vince says, yeah, that's fine. We'll do it that way. In the match, um, Shawn Michaels puts in the sharpshooter. Earl had no rings to bow without Brett Hart tapping. Hightails out of there. Crowd are livid. And Sean does his best acting of, what's going on? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. But then, and just then, just but, before Sean goes into the back when he's at the top of the ramp, he still does this little jump, little jump, throws the title in the air. Yeah, <laughs> he just can't help himself. Stuck at Canada, <laughs> and then Brett spits in the face of Vince McMahon, trashes the ringside area with the announce tables, and then spells in big letters W C W. Yeah, and properly, properly gobs in Vince's face as well. Properly gobs. Like, there's there's some maple syrup behind that bad boy. <laughs> yeah, there is. And then he punched him it's... backstage, I believe, didn't he? Because so we he did, saw yeah. Vince with a Because you haven't after. seen the, um, the Wrestling With Shadows documentary, have you? No, we need to watch it together, please. We will. We will definitely watch it. But there is a bit in there where then they're secretly not filming, but they've got the camera down, and Vince oh, goes yeah. into the showers, as Brett kind of says in, in the stories. Um, and the story goes that Brett says, get out of my face. Otherwise, I'll hit you. And Vince's like, no, I'm staying put. We need to talk about this. And then just cold clocks him and knocks him out yeah, and then nice. leaves. And then they show with Wrestling With Shadows him leaving the locker room. Shane, or is it Pat? Uh, someone's helping. It might have been Pat or Arn kind of helping him. Um, it wouldn't have been Arn. He was with WCW. Not Arn. It was Pat. Uh, who's the other one? Gerald, Gerald Briscoe. Briscoe. Jack, the Briscoe, Briscoe Brothers. Yeah. yeah. Briscoe. Um, one of them was helping him. He was all shaky leg and wobbly. It was hilarious. Um, <laughs> and you can see on Monday Night Raw the next day, just the shiner and the makeup trying to cover it. Yeah. Brett, it's brilliant. Brett. So, Brett. so what I wrote for this um, on my notes, I've put the Montreal Screwjob, the effect it had on the industry, the beginning of Bret Hart's awful luck in his miserable life. <laughs> <laughs> So that's what I wrote. And what I mean by that is uh, Bret Hart's life just took such a downward spiral after this moment. This was the beginning yeah. of his life going to shit. So he goes to WCW, who completely misuse him. They don't have a clue what to do with Bret Hart. They've got one of the hottest commodities you could... Like they always say when you get a, the hottest commodity. This literally was 
the greatest score they could ever have gotten. Yeah, and they just do it completely wrong. Then his brother Owen dies in a tragic accident at Over the Edge 99. That happens. Awful. Then he gets kicked in the face by Goldberg at Starcade and gets a concussion, which leads to a stroke. He is has to retire. WWE win the war. They WCW goes out of business. And Bret Hart's just lying there with a stroke, just like watching Vince McMahon be all victorious on television and the whole company thrive without him. His brother's dead. He, um, I, I think, I'm sure other people died around that time. <laughs> yeah, with the rest of the Hart family, yeah, they're all yeah. gone. Uh, it's just, what a miserable time Bret had, starting here. Yeah, it, it all started there. Um, the fact that he ever came back to the business and hugged Sean in the middle of that ring is just money baffling talks, to me. Money talks, brother. Money does talk. Um, I never, I never watched any of Bret's return uh stuff i i didn't want to see it like brett i always hold in such high regard um as a wrestler and as a person i just i always remember what it was like when old wrestlers came back and how kind of sad it was in a way i remember the wrestlemania match we were watching it around yours in the basement with like rob and Cromie and everyone mm. and it was brett hart versus vince in a street fight i just went upstairs and made a cup of tea for like 20 minutes because i was just like i don't want to watch this you didn't miss anything it was awful it was it's one of the worst wrestlemania matches of all time yeah uh so my memory's not tainted and anyone yeah and anyone the u.s title for a bit and yeah i didn't watch any of that at all um and he wears he wears jorts he wore jorts yeah why do you wear jorts you stupid old man he he dress and he wears like big old hockey jerseys and stuff he dresses like 2003 john cena (laughs) he was like that got over (laughs) yeah i'll be back But at the time, Brett was the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be, without a doubt. He was amazing. You talked about it last week on the show when it was like um, Brett was heel in America, facing Canada. Nothing oh, was God, hot it was at the time. So good. It was Nothing so good. Was better. Go and watch it. Go watch. Have you watched it yet? I bet you haven't. You stupid. I haven't man. actually watched it. Um, you were meant to send me the link so I can share it on the Twitter with everyone else because I shared the other links. So. Okay, well, I don't care about showing it to everyone else. I just want you to go on the network and watch it. <laughs> I just care about you, man. <laughs> just go watch it. In your house, Canadian Stampede. Watch the Heart Foundation's entrance in the main event and the pops they get. It's awesome. Bearing in mind, they heal everywhere, but they're facing Canada and they, they're just loved. It's so good. Just go watch it. So good. So good. Uh, but the, this this match, um, it's weird. I always get so torn about this because it's like, well, Brett, do the favour you know, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme. Like, I know it matters in terms of, like, Canadian pride and Sean's a prick and you don't want to do it in no, your home. But Brett's a prick. Brett's a prick. You do what you're told. You you do what your boss tells you to do. He's paying you good money. You've He's he's given you his blessing to go to WCW. He said, yep, yeah, fair enough. You can go to WCW. I'm not going to stop you. All I ask is that you give back the biggest thing in our company before you go. And Brett's like, oh, no, I don't want to. Yeah, like it's it's such a such a weird kind of moment. But if he if he had agreed, it would have just been another Survivor Series. Oh, Brett loses, and off he goes to WCW, and it would have been an even sadder end to the career. Sad that this does define his career as much as it does. Uh, but as you say, it changed the industry. It changed the whole wrestling business. It was for the first time, for what we believe still now was a real event that really happened. For the first time ever in wrestling. Yeah. 
It's brilliant. One really good thing to watch surrounding this Montreal Screwjob as well, which no one ever talks about, is um, if you watch the Monday Nitro that happened after this Survivor Series, so the day after this Survivor Series, um, the show opens with NWO, Hulk Hogan, Nash and um, Hall... Um, all coming out with like Canadian flags and stuff, <laughs> just like really rubbing it into the camera's face as they come out. It's very funny. The thing I love about Vince is he was so, you know, you watch the documentary and he's so like careful and, and sensitive during the pay-per-view because he knows what he's going to do. And he's all sensitive afterwards. He's like, Brett, let's just talk about this. Let's just, you know, have a heart to heart. I'm sorry that this had to happen. Next night, Raw, as you say, Canadian flags, Brett screwed Brett, yeah. you know, full on <laughs> yeah. character again. Of well, that's the... it. This is another thing that this birthed. You look at the knock on effects of this. This birthed um, Vince McMahon, the character, really. You know, yeah. it turned Vince McMahon into the biggest heel in the business, which they made stupid amounts of money off with the, which, you know, transitioned into Stone Cold Vince. That was a massive that thing. kind of defined the attitude era was yeah, Stone absolutely. Cold Vince. And the, and the reason Vince was a character at all was because of this. You know, this is what turned him into a big heel. Yeah, you needed to have that kind of authority figure, and that was to start because that first on-screen interview with it's JR that conducts it, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, and that Brett screws Brett is the first Mister McMahon quotation. Yeah. So yeah, it uh, it would be so interesting to see kind of an alternate timeline if this never happened, if the Montreal screw job never happened. Um, of course, then we milked it to death and every time they're in montreal now there's a screw job finish sean might never have broken his back if the montreal screw job never happened think about that how'd how'd you get there because um brett hart um so well sean got the title off brett so he was defending it against undertaker at the royal rumble do you think that was the plan had brett not decided to leave True, yeah. Maybe they could have kept it on Brett for a while because in the documentary they, they offer him a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff to kind of get him to stay and do things like that. I think um, they wanted I think they wanted the a Sean Brett rematch at WrestleMania as well. Um that was sort of what they were moving towards. And that obviously didn't happen. And instead Stone Cold Steve Austin was given the main event and became WWE champion for the first time and an absolute megastar. And arguably the ratings that Stone Cold drew won the war for WWF. Yeah, so it it would be very interesting to kind of see what would have happened if this never happened. If, yeah. you know, Brett dropped the title and just walked away. Yeah, Sean might never have broken his back. WF might not. WCW would probably, might have beaten WWF in the ratings war had this screw job not happened. When did Foley win a title? <laughs> it was after this. Yeah, because it was The Rock. Yeah, yeah. Coke, so um, a year later. 98 or 99, I think. Yeah. 98, yeah. Hmm. Hypothesize we shall. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll act it out with my action figures and let you know how it goes. <laughs> Film it. Stop motion for us. <laughs> oh, well, I've been meaning to do that for a while, actually. I was going to, uh, I was going to send you a picture a day of just various wrestlers in different holds in my little wrestling ring with my action figures, but I've been lazy. But I will do it every day. I'm going to send you something abstract and new. How do you have a full-time job and have time for this shit? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I just don't do anything else. <laughs> but that is our part one Survivor Series series, top five of uh, Survivor Series moments. And uh, interesting choices. Two crossovers. I said it I knew two. number two. 
you, well, you said there'd be three or more, but no, I didn't. I said, I said, I, I said, I said, possibly <laughs> don't do it like that. I said possibly three, at least two. That's exactly okay. what I said. I'm going to go back in the recording, and if you're wrong, it will be edited in right now. <laughs> just, just edit in you going wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you're an idiot. Um, but we're we're going to put a our first Twitter vote out next week for what you want our top five to be in part two of the Survivor Series series. Um, that's a mouthful. Survivor Series series. Um, and we'll see what you guys decide. Um, we've had a couple of suggestions on the old interwebs. Uh, sorry for Mark and just commented before we came on the air about um, the Montreal Screwjob follow-up where Rock joins Vince and the corporation. A year later, Vince does the same same stick same basically finish, but yeah yeah mcfolian rings the bell does all of that kind of stuff um and and kind of goes from there uh we also had hard pod come on and say gobbledyuka 1990 uh they are banned Classic. from ever commenting on it again <laughs> i love the gobbledyuka bit because the booze that come out and fair play to mean gene to kind of keep that going <laughs> they've been teasing this giant egg for like months and then what did you expect to come out of it and then this giant turkey comes out. Uh, that's, and, and that's the same night The Undertaker debuts. You think, like, these two extremes of, like, awesomeness and shitness that happened in that night. Yeah, and it's just... And the booze are just amazing. Um, WrestlePod also commented about Undertaker's debut in, in 1990. Of course, like, I went back and watched the debut, and of course it was a great moment. My favourite is the commentary team. I can't remember who says it now, but... Um, he comes out and they're just talking like, oh, I don't even know who this guy is. And then they just go, wow, look at the size of that ham hock. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's how you sell someone kind of debuting. I think it, it's, it's um, I might be wrong. I think it's Gorilla Monsoon that says that. I, I, think. I think it's Gorilla Monsoon. Yeah, I think it is. But I, I could uh, be wrong. Exactly. And even even my dear mother sent in a message on Twitter with oh. her favourite moment. How sweet a moment's this. I miss your Um I know. Let's let's leave that for another day. <laughs> <laughs> Madison Square Garden's 1997 entrance of one of the world's most famous stars, The Rock. Quite impressive. That's good from your mum. I know, right? Well done. Well um, done, mum. I just saw another notification that Velvet Thunder liked my tweet. Not, Vel- Velvet not, not a Velveteen Velvet. dream. No, this is Velvet Thunder, baby. Um, he's very excited for me to eat some chilies and milk after this. Uh, podcast so thank you for sending in those suggestions um yeah could have put those in there they they are the quote-unquote iconic survivor series moments you know rock winning the title and joining the corporation gobbledygooker up there with the rest of them um but i feel like our five between us were really the top five moments in survivor series we did good did good kid my personal yeah um, so my personal takeaway from this week is um, William Regal's splits as he takes the tombstone. That's definitely the <laughs> the top survivor. I don't know why I put it so low. That should have been the top survivor series moment. That should have been number one. Yeah, I would have been like Brett screws Brett, and you'd be like, I need to stop you there. <laughs> um, have you seen Regal's legs? <laughs> pure, pure athleticism, <laughs> right there. <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah, as we said, part two is next week of our Survivor Series theories, um, and you guys get to decide what our top five is for the first time, which is exciting. We're both very happy that we don't have a pay-per-view every two weeks at the moment, because I'm a little bit exhausted from pay-per-views, in all honesty, yeah, and doing challenges. Break, isn't it? 
It really is. Uh, I think we might do this for like all of our uh, the top four. You know, do a little series on them: Royal Rumble, SummerSlam, Mania, and this one Survivor Series. The pun only really works for Survivor Series, but it kind of works in a way. <laughs> yeah, it's true. SummerSlam series also, rolls off the tongue nicely. It does. WrestleMania series is a bit of a mouthful. Yeah. Royal Rumble. Yeah, I don't like that one. Um, also, I just learned that in December, there's a SmackDown pay-per-view called Clash of Champions. What the hell are we doing at Survivor Series if we have a Clash of Champions pay-per-view a month afterwards? Yeah, that's true. Idiots. Sorry, up until Survivor Series, I'm going to rag on the fact that we have champion versus champion matches all the way up until the actual show. Yeah, I don't I'm like gonna champions. Just before. Someone's always going to look weak, aren't they? Someone's got some brand or someone's going to look weak. Even if you balance it 50-50, someone's going to look weak. Irritates yeah. me to no end. Me too. Me too, man. Me too, brother. Damn it. Um, hit my table. Good man. So thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, find us on our usual social medias. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. The Facebook's going to be going live soon. Forgot till five. Uh, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Acast, anywhere that good podcasts are sold, even though we're a free podcast. And go hit that subscribe button and you'll get our episodes every week and we won't have to keep reminding you how wonderful is that jesse benz it's the best damn right it best is. thing since william regal's re- receivement of the tombstone <laughs> <laughs> oh, disgusting um so i think that just about does it for the show doesn't it i think it does that's good we, we've gone quite this has been relatively short for us this week this is like an hour and a half that might be our shortest ever i think it's wow. still it's still longer than every other podcast out there. <laughs> <laughs> we still talk far too much about yeah. shit that people already know about, but yeah, still. Exactly. But yeah, good <laughs> we times. Good time um, I'm going to be eating a Komodo dragon chili after this, so stay tuned <laughs> for the video tomorrow morning. I'm going to be in such a bad mood. I'm not going to talk to you tomorrow, by the way. No, fine. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> as long as I see the video, I'm, I, I don't care. <laughs> I've, got, I've got three in this bag. Um... I've got a small one, a medium one, and a large one. But the small one's kind of a discoloured. It's kind of like more of an orange. I, I, had, the, I had the exact good. same thing when I bought mine. Maybe they put them in on purpose. Mm, okay. I'm going to go for the middle one. Yeah. Okay. Brave. Thank you. Uh, but it's less shriveled than the rest. So I, don't, I don't know what's a good sign of a chilli. Well, it's Russian roulette, mate. <sighs> I'm not looking forward to this. Uh, stay tuned for the video. That'll be going up on YouTube. Um, find us on everywhere. Just search Got Till 5 and we'll pop up in your face. That's what we do best. Yeah, we do. Pop exactly. harder. Pop harder than Sting than the crowd did at Sting's return. <laughs> Good one. Uh, <laughs> I'm tired now. Sign us out. Get us out of here. Let's All go right. For Max Curtin, this is Jesse Benz. And we've had a lovely time. And we'll see you next week. Got Till 5. You have until the count of five. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number, a glorious number. You got to the count of five.